Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Reconstructing Inclusion podcast. Also, if you haven't bought Reconstructing Inclusion, Making DEI Accessible, Actionable, and Sustainable, my book, please pick it up. We also have a Substack now under the name Reconstructing Inclusion. I'll be putting more content on that Substack before you know it. Greetings, folks. Omri here. I hope you're well. Welcome to the Reconstructing Inclusion podcast. What do we consider DEI outcomes? DEI outcomes are natural progressions of things most organizational actors feel, at least partially, are important in fulfilling their mission. If the above is true, DEI outcomes may be framed as something other than DEI outcomes. Of course, not all would agree. For many, the outcome of equity is one goal. For many, that means equal or at least proportional representation of historically marginalized groups, marginalized as defined across the large portion of the Anglosphere, means Black, Indigenous, and other people of color. Some people don't believe that Asians are included, but after the Supreme Court of the U.S. decision on affirmative action in elite schools, perhaps that notion has shifted too. In the theory of change that I've fostered implicitly for over 20 years and explicitly for more than 10, DEI outcomes result from actions that create the conditions for people to thrive and organizations to create value that transcends profit alone. This means developing skills adjacent to DEI, including robust perspective-taking, contextual discernment, sense-making, robust inquiry, disconfirmation, and more. These skills are subsets of the Inclusion Wins theory of change, which centers on inclusion systems design and development, cultural intelligence, or CQ, and social capital. Later, in other episodes, in an article or podcast or something or both, I'll go into depth about our theory of change, and ahead of that, I would like to talk more about DEI outcomes. In Reconstructing Inclusion, I ask, if representation increases, what do we do next? What do we do next if we focus on retention and the numbers stay the same? If the numbers go up, what do we do next? If our organizational climate and engagement survey data say we are an inclusive organization now, what do we do next? Most DEI work has been about awareness building. Awareness is important. It is also a passive way to divest oneself from skin in the game. What I mean by this, and if you've been around the DEI game for even a short time, you've heard that we cannot find them used as rationale for not filling job roles with people from historically underrepresented groups by race and ethnicity. And in some cases, the numbers of people graduating in certain disciplines from underrepresented groups are low. In other cases, especially in disciplines where there are plenty of entry-level workers who could move in and up in an organization, not hiring quote-unquote them is an excuse for maintaining the status quo. Or, if they are finding them in lower-level roles and not creating the conditions for them to stay and flourish, 
long enough to have the experience for at least a fully or partially company supported MBA to move on to make greater contributions. Representation outcomes are fleeting at best. Now, hear me out before this occurs as blasphemous to those who have staked their entire practice on this outcome. If you aim to increase representation for certain groups, it is a laudable goal. Conversely, if you aim to develop the capability to attract, hire, develop, and retain talent that represent a variety of viewpoints, backgrounds, cultures, and skill sets, that's not only laudable, it is eminently better for your business and sustainable as it relates to your DEI efforts. And it requires constant adaptation and skills building for such outcomes to be consistently achieved. It also requires unambiguous prioritization. When I speak about accessible, actionable, and sustainable in my book, Reconstructing Inclusion, I mean accessible to everyone, unambiguously prioritized, and mission and purpose aligned. Many people talk about holding leaders accountable. <laughs> it happens a lot. They say it, we got to hold them accountable in DEI. I think this language, while it feels like you're speaking, again, another air quotes, truth to power, the statement occurs, at least to me, as posturing. What you really need to create if you want unambiguous prioritization is skin in the game. To have skin in the game means to have an active interest in the success of something. And if it fails, it affects you in a significant way. DEI work has not been structured in too many cases to create the conditions for skin in the game. This particular quote has resonated with me since I first encountered it. Erudition without bullshit, intellect without cowardice, courage without imprudence, mathematics without nerdiness, scholarship without academia, intelligence without shrewdness, religiosity without intolerance, elegance without softness, sociality without dependence, enjoyment without addiction, religion without intolerance, and above all, nothing without skin in the game. This quote is from one of the books, The Bed of Procrustes, in the Inserto series by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. He goes into more depth on this concept of skin in the game in his book aptly entitled Skin in the Game, Hidden Asymmetries in Daily Life. Taleb illustrates in skin in the game in many ways, some more palatable for certain people than others. Taleb has a reputation for being a little bit crass, curmudgeon-y. You can go down the line of words that might be a little less gentle. But two of the examples that resonated most with me is his example of Hammurabi, who reigned as king of Babylon, now Iraq, from 1792 to 1750 BCE. He was best known for his code of laws, Hammurabi's code of laws. Taleb highlights the particular law for home builders. If he build a house for someone and does not construct it properly, and the house which he built fall in and kill its owner, then that builder shall be put to death. Further, if it kill the son of the owner, 
the son of that builder shall be put to death. Now, this is an extreme, albeit clear, example of skin in the game. If risk is taken, it must be equitably distributed. In an organizational context, the outcomes are interdependent with the inputs. The risks held are evenly distributed. If a house is well-constructed, the builder is compensated appropriately. If it has flaws, the builder is held to a standard that any corners cut result in an adverse outcome, their death. Or, in the case that a child of the house owner dies, the builder's child will be put to death. As it applies to DEI, it is rare that skin in the game is a requirement. Without it, internal practitioners may be held to account for failed policies and programs. Many simply head to another job as the average tenure for many heads of DEI is two years. My experience is that two years is just about where typical DEI training programs and other activities that were not created to lead to capability and capacity building to create what I call skilled operators of the inclusion system have hit their downward slope of penetration in the critical work required to make DEI accessible, actionable, and sustainable commences. It's rare that this happens. This is where skin in the game or lack thereof of practitioners and influential organizational actors is revealed. The external consultants, senior executives, and employees at all levels who are necessary to make DEI accessible, actionable, and sustainable can move on to the next client or platitude their way to the next hollow outcome light activity. Now, I'm not claiming that there aren't barriers that might get in the way of making progress in DEI. And as most define progress to mean increased employment or promotion of people who are part of historically underrepresented groups, missing the mark here doesn't act automatically connote a lack of progress. More so, it's an indication of either thinking about the game in a limited scope or not fully understanding the breadth and depth of the game. They also have not understood and accounted for the hidden asymmetries that present themselves in the course of engaging in actions that create the conditions for people to thrive, aka DEI work. Skin in the game is all about risk. Another example that Talib uses is that of a pilot. Commercial pilots make pretty good money. Depending on the airline and types of planes they fly, they get to go to exotic places. And along with the perks of free travel, it's a pretty cool job. And pilots have serious skin in the game. If the plane goes down, everyone loses. How does skin in the game work in DEI or organizational change. Again, in most cases, it doesn't. People come in and do the work, another air quote, and if it doesn't create much of, an, of note, they can quit, find another job, stay and maintain the status quo, or be stuck in the Sisyphean purgatory with a cool title. To think about it, such Misery might be considered skin in the game, but the control over whether to resign is an individual one. External factors like 
not having the desire to look for another job, convenience for family or other reasons, et cetera, might make quitting harder, but it is still possible. Skin in the game is marginal. Conversely, when an organization creates incentives for culture development based on what a significant majority and slightly invested minority determined to be conditions that would be helpful to their ability to solve difficult problems, have quicker access to information requiring less energy to secure it and make sense of it, grow their skills to meet their goals, skin in the game is much easier to manifest because the people created what was an outcome that they felt was meaningful. As you have heard, if you have ever heard me speak, there are a few things that I regularly mention. If this is the first time you have heard me speak, I would like you to consider inclusion as any action that creates the capacity for people to thrive and for the organization to fulfill its purpose, beyond profit that is. Many see diversity solely as an orthodoxy revolving around rectifying power imbalances usually based on an identifiable characteristic, or three. If we consider it, as Dr. Roosevelt Thomas did, by the way, if you haven't listened to episode four of our podcast, we talk about Dr. Thomas and his pioneering work related to strategic diversity management with April Thomas, and we'll talk more about it in different Inclusion Wins channels in the future. Dr. Thomas defines diversity as any mixture of similarities and differences and their respective tensions and complexities. Looking at it this way, we can transcend the limited, individually attributed notions. And such framing allows us to consider asymmetries that have left people and communities feeling without voice, organizations without the recognition of interdependence, and practitioners steeped in inherently and perpetually self-limiting paradigms. Moving forward, those interested in fostering diversity per Dr. Thomas's framing and doing so in a meaningful and helpful manner, both within and beyond the historical framing, will make heterodoxy normative and use practices to help people grow their capacity to do the same. Skin in the game requires people to see themselves inside the DEI paradigm. So I ask, how do you make DEI accessible to everyone, you? Whoever's listening right now, whether you're a fortified and certified practitioner or somebody who wants to be a skilled operator of your organization's inclusion system, hoping that you are developing one. And if not, I would love to talk to you about it. So that's one question. How do you make DEI accessible to everyone? The next question, how are you creating the conditions that influence people to assertively take the risk, not doing the work and doing it right for right now. But how do you create the conditions that influence people to build skills and capabilities to sustain DEI work? Lastly, if you are a practitioner, what's your skin in the game? So I hope that was helpful. Make it a great day. Peace.
If you are committed or simply a little bit curious about how to make DEI accessible to everyone, actionable, that is unambiguously prioritized and sustainable, aligned with personal and organizational purpose, hit the subscribe button. Make it a great day. Peace.